today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Elcantan. Submit to what your earthly master tells you to do. Now, the implication from the whole letter is that there's a caveat over this, and that caveat is unless your master tells you to sin. So, and again, he's not telling us to obey the government. If the government causes us to sin, he's not gonna tell anybody in a household to obey anybody else if it's a matter of sin. That's kind of a strong implication of the text here, a caveat here. But if it's not sin, the default is, well, do what the master says. Hope in God, oh my soul, he is strong and he is strong to save. As Pastor Ricky teaches on the importance of submitting to what our earthly master wants us to do, he'll be reminding us that this scripture can be practically applied to our workplace. We no longer have slavery in our society. So when we read scriptures about submitting to our earthly masters, we should apply this to our boss at work. This scripture is in no way validating slavery. It's simply encouraging those that had masters over them to show others the line of Jesus by their submission and godly conduct. Well, let's join Pastor Ricky for part one of his message entitled, Caught Between Authority and a Hard Place. We're in the book of 1 Peter, and we're going to be in chapter 2. If you're new here, my name is Ricky, and I'm one of the pastors here at the church I have the privilege of opening God's word with us today. We've been in a series on the book of 1 Peter. Now, I want to ask a question here. When it comes to your job, have you ever complained about your job? Have you ever had this thought, though, about your job? No one understands how hard this is. Have you ever thought, no one understands how crazy my boss is? No one understands how crazy it is that they have this much power in this situation. Have you ever thought this? I'm alone here. I'm just by myself, trying to do my best, completely alone, unsupported, and feel like I'm drowning. Have you ever thought that nobody really gets it? Nobody understands my work situation. And maybe you've even had somebody try to encourage you with a Bible verse. And, you know, something like trust the Lord, you know, or take refuge in the Lord, or, uh, you know, lift your eyes up to the hills. Where does your help come from? It comes from the Lord. And, and that just lands on you like, ah, it, it doesn't help because I feel like the person giving me this verse doesn't understand what I'm going through. Well, one of the things I love about the Bible is that the Bible is brutally honest about hard situations, and it provides real hope and real help for hard situations. Now, what we're going to be looking at today is, in essence, going to the extreme in terms of workplace difficulties. And at this extreme, impossible end of workplace difficulties, Peter is going to demonstrate, yes, there is hope and help for you and for everyone else, even here. And if there's hope here at this extreme end, how much more do we have hope in our daily lives? And you'll see exactly what I mean as soon as we read the passage. So let's read God's word, 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 18 through verse 25. This is God's holy and authoritative word. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect. 
not only to the good and the gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing. When mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you endure sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin. Neither was there deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to one who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were like You were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. What I love about the apostle Peter is that he doesn't give these people suffering a pat answer or a simple cliche. He's speaking to a group of people when it says servants, that essentially that word is bond servants. In some translations, it's the word slave. These are people who are under, in essence, kind of legally under total authority of their masters, their bosses. There's no, um, there's no nine to five and then you clock out and you go home. You are under constant authority from the time you wake up to the time you go to sleep and everywhere in between. And Peter sees them and doesn't simply give them a cliche or a pat answer. Instead, He says, someone really does know what you're feeling and you can find hope in him. The big idea this morning is really simple. Suffering servants follow the road of the suffering servant to salvation. If if you're a first century suffering servant, Peter encourages you to the suffering servant, to see Jesus as the suffering servant on the road to salvation. If you're in a difficult job situation today or you feel pressed up against circumstances that you can't escape, Peter encourages you, follow the road of the suffering servant. Now, we don't have points today, so you're just gonna have to track with me. Um, And there's going to be really two super simple sections in the message today. What we learn from suffering servants and what we learn from the suffering servant. So we're going to look for the first few verses at suffering servants and what we can learn from their situation that helps us. And then we're going to look at the suffering servant, Jesus, and what we can learn from him. So let's start with what we learn from suffering servants in general. Verse 18 says... Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. Now, this is a simple command. It's submit to what your earthly master tells you to do. Now, the implication from the whole letter is that there's a caveat over this, and that caveat is unless your master tells you to sin. 
So, and again, he's not telling us to obey the government. If the government causes us to sin, he's not going to tell anybody in a household to obey anybody else if it's a matter of sin. That's kind of a strong implication of the text here, a caveat here. But if it's not sin, the default is, well, do what the master says. And then he takes it further. As if that's not enough, he says, you are to show respect to that person. And then he takes it further and says, this applies not just to good and gentle masters, but also to the unjust, to the unfair. And the implication a few verses later is the kind of master that would beat you for looking at him in a way he doesn't like, that kind of a master. Now, this is a radical, and and to us in America in the 21st century, seemingly crazy command. Now, you probably have a lot of questions about this. Like, well, how can Peter say this? Why why doesn't he tell them to escape? Why doesn't he tell them to be free? Why doesn't he tell them to form an army and rebel and cast off slavery? Why why doesn't he make really clear um, right here in this section, slavery is 100% wrong and you should never do it? Why does he instead talk to slaves about how they're to respond? Well, I need to back up and I'm gonna need to ask you to stay with me for about the next four minutes because I need to talk about the Bible's view of slavery a little bit, okay? So the whole message is not gonna be this, but I need to kind of go on an excursus and speak into that a little bit. First, let's say a few things. First, slavery in the first century, as described here, was different from slavery in the American South. That is ours, Americans. That's our major paradigm when we think about and speak about slavery. Um, In the first century, slavery included uh, many who today would be regarded as professionals. Uh, Managers of estates were slaves. Uh, Physicians were slaves. Teachers and tutors were slaves. Um, One scholar says this about the context. Slaves or bond servants or servants generally were permitted to work for pay and to save enough to buy their freedom. Uh, See the example of Matthew 25, where servants or slaves are entrusted with immense amounts of money and responsibility. Um, The New Testament assumes also that trafficking in human beings is a sin, and Paul urges Christian bond servants who can gain freedom to do so. The released bondservant then was officially designated a freedman, and this is what's amazing to me, frequently continued to work for his former master. So under a master, there would be a number of slaves, and there could be different reasons that they ended up in slavery. Uh, they, they, were, they were brought in somehow. They were a conquered people and made into a servant. They couldn't repay a debt, and so they became a slave, and there would be people alongside them that had worked for seven years or something and, and earned their freedom and continued to work and stay at the same house. And some were freedmen, some were slaves. The household would be mixed. So compared to slavery in the American South, um, there are some key differences. These were not people who were, listen, racially targeted for enslavement. They had some opportunities to purchase their freedom, and they were a much more diverse group that were encouraged in many respects to be educated as tutors and managers and teachers. Second, 
Slaves are loudly proclaimed in the New Testament as being fellow heirs with Christ. And in Christ, they have exactly the same standing as freedmen or Roman citizens or anywhere else. Paul says that in Christ, there is no Jew or Greek or male or female, slave or free. That is very important to understand. In the New Testament, Paul writes a letter to Philemon, who was the owner of a runaway slave. And Paul writes him about the runaway slave who ran away and then was converted. And then Paul sends him back with the letter to Philemon. But Paul appeals in that letter, I encourage you to read it, that Philemon treat this slave, Onesimus, as a brother in Christ. And eventually, it was Christian principles like this, that that were all equal in the sight of God, that were all equal in Christ, that led to slavery being abolished through the deeply Christian beliefs of men like William Wilberforce. And even though slavery is described in the Bible, it is nowhere established or endorsed by God. Uh, 1 Timothy 1.10 condemns enslavers. And Revelation 18 condemns those who traffic in human beings. So all slavery is contrary to Scripture's clear principles, but it was especially deplorable and contrary to Scripture as practiced in the American South. Third, in the first century context, the writers like Peter deal with the reality of slavery on the individual level, not on the societal level. And part of that is due to the nature of the documents that make up the New Testament. This is a letter from Peter to a series of congregations on an individual level. Now, Christianity was a small group in the first century. Peter is not addressing those in power. He's addressing those without power because those were the majority of the Christians at that time. There was simply no way for this small group of people to abolish slavery. Um, And in addition, there was no social safety net. And those who who were runaway slaves without money, without titles, would often find only death. Additionally, the New Testament is laser-focused on the spread of the gospel. As uh, Pastor John Piper has said, we are to care about all suffering, especially eternal suffering. So there is a priority in the New Testament that the spread of the gospel that frees people eternally does take um, precedent and priority in terms of the amount of teaching over uh, an issue like slavery. The accent here is on helping slaves grapple with the reality of slavery in a way that promotes the gospel. It would have been no help at all, listen, for Peter to say, uh, well, slavery is wrong. I know you're struggling as slaves. Try to overthrow the government and end slavery. That would have been condemning everyone to death. There was simply no possible societal way to do that. It would have been practically, socially, politically impossible. And so what Peter does as a pastor is he pastors these individual people through this difficult situation. Um, and, And that does make all the difference for them. So Peter's advice even though to us it seems strange, is that if you are under this authority, of course, as Paul would say, avail yourself of the opportunity to be a freed man, try to pay things back. But if you find yourself in this situation, obey with respect as an expression of your Christian faith. Now, maybe you're wondering though, what about that situation even applies to us? 
Um, we are not bond servants. We are the opposite of bond servants. If you could almost pick two societies and the way that they treat the average individual citizen, um, I don't know if you could find a more different kind of set of societies than first century Rome and 21st century America, right? I mean, we have a bill of rights. We're all about freedom, all about nobody treating anyone else differently than anyone else. And we have the incredible privilege of living in this society. But we still have some points in common with these servants. Maybe you've been in a difficult situation that's caused by being under someone's authority. It's hard, and you find yourself either at work or with the government or with some other thing. There's an authority over you. You find yourself under it, and it's hard. And that authority is causing you a significant degree of suffering, and that suffering cannot be kind of escaped in at least the short term. Think of it this way. This is a picture I have as I'm describing this. Imagine walking a road and and you'd like to get off of the road, but on one side of the road, what's pressing on you is sort of this authority, an employer, a a boss, a a teacher, something else in the government pushing you. And on the other side, are really difficult circumstances. And you feel like you're inching forward, pushed on by this authority up against these difficult circumstances, thinking, I I don't see any end to this road in sight. There's not a fork in the road that I can get off anytime soon. So here's a few situations uh, that could be possible today. I'll start with a a simple one. Maybe you're in school, um, you're going to college, you have to pass this one class to get to the next round of classes or to get your degree. But the professor in your class has been unreasonable. Uh, has, it, it, they are mean. They it feel like you, they are singling you out for no reason other than they don't like you and, and you've complained to the dean and they're not doing anything illegal and it seems like there's nothing you can do other than endure this. And then you check your kind of your, your, your course map, and you realize you have another three classes with this person before you can escape this degree plan. That's one. Uh, here's another one. Maybe there's a legal situation that's difficult where you, as a result of something, maybe you didn't even do, uh, you have to make payments to the government, or you have to submit to a particular law that seems wrong or unreasonable or unjustifiable, and you wish, you know, you, you, you make appeals, and there's no grace, and you, you, you're stuck. But I think the most common uh, application for us today is probably with work situations. Uh, An employment situation that is difficult, where you can't find another job yet, where your boss is being unreasonable or harsh. Um, And this applies at the bottom and top of kind of the employee chain. Perhaps you're the lowest level employee and you have no power and your superiors give you all the worst assignments and you can't find another job and you can't escape. Or perhaps you're at a high level, you're an executive, but you're still under a president who is moody and difficult and who never recognizes your work and only brings criticism to any report you submit and you think, I'm stuck. I'm I'm on this road, pushed up against by an authority, up against difficult circumstances, and I can't escape. What encouragement can Peter possibly offer for asking us to be respectful, to do what they say, and do it regardless of how they're treating us. Two things that we learn from suffering servants here. First, this suffering can be to the proclamation of Jesus. 
Remember that we are in a section of this letter uh, where Peter is emphasizing that we've been called out of darkness into God's marvelous light for a purpose, and that purpose is proclaiming the one who called us out of darkness into light. We are to proclaim that. And Peter has already covered, we, we can proclaim that through our holiness. We can proclaim that through our response to the government. And now he's saying you can proclaim it through very difficult circumstances. Um, Peter has just told them a couple verses earlier uh, that they are free. He says, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. He's saying, listen, you're free. Even if you're a slave, even if you're under someone's thumb, you are free in Christ. But I want you to use that freedom to promote the gospel. This is amazing. Peter is encouraging them to act contrary to the whole culture. Um, the culture always defaults to treat people the way that they are being treated. If you're being treated badly, you treat badly. If you're treated well, you treat well. He says you're to be countercultural. If you're treated badly, you treat them well. He directs suffering servants to treat their masters in a way they do not deserve. And there is something uniquely powerful and uniquely Christian about that. Commentator Ed Clowney says this, this kind of response offers a golden opportunity to show the uniqueness of Christian service. By patiently enduring, enduring unmerited abuse, they show the opposite, listen, of a servile, a servant attitude. They demonstrate their freedom because if the Christian responds in kind with good or good or evil for evil, he becomes merely a victim when he is treated unjustly. In burning resentment, he seeks an opportunity to repay the evil. But if he bears the evil patiently, he has broken the chain of bondage in the power of the Lord. He shows that his confidence is in God's justice. He need not avenge himself. He also shows that his service is not really forced, but voluntary. He is willing to serve his master for the Lord's sake. Remember that phrase from last week even to honor him for the Lord's sake. Listen, this is, the, this is the big finish that I love. His master cannot enslave him, for he is Christ's slave. Slavery to Christ transforms servitude into freedom. So by treating them the way that they should not be treated with respect, with obedience, they're demonstrating the reality of how the gospel has changed their life. Now, think about it with a couple situations. Say you're working your way through a medical residency, just hypothetically, not that we have any med students, right? And your whole life and career are in the hands of the people observing you. But one person in particular that's observing you, that holds your fate in their hands is unreasonable. You guys don't deal with any unreasonable professors, do you? That's like totally hypothetical. Um, constantly maybe criticizing you in front of other people, watching every little thing you do wrong and bringing it up. And then other classmates do the same thing and they're just like, oh, it's fine, you'll get it. And then you do it and you're like, they're like, you are uh, failing the Hippocratic Oath every hour of every day. Get out of here, you know? And Peter would say, listen, listen, this is an amazing opportunity for gospel proclamation. Hope in God, oh my soul, He is strong and He is strong to save. Hope in God, He's a rock and you hide in place. 
First Peter is one of those hard-hitting books in the Bible intended to shake us to the core. In this series, Pastor Ricky will be sharing messages entitled The Counter-Cultural Christian Community and The Time is Short and many more. Each one of these messages will bring insight into specific areas in the Christian life. You've been listening to Better News Radio, the radio ministry of Pastor Ricky Alcanta of Cross of Grace Church in El Paso, Texas. CD copies of today's study are available when you email us at radio at betternewsradio.com. That's radio at betternewsradio.com. Today's message, as originally presented at Cross of Grace Church, can be downloaded from our website at www.betternewsradio.com. If you can't get to your computer to download or place an order, you can always call us at 915-562-7100. We'll be happy to help you. Again, the number to call is 915-562-7100. Perhaps today's message was exactly what you're looking for in a church. If you don't have a home church and you sense God is calling you to walk in obedience to Him by being a part of the body of believers, please join us for worship Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. Community groups of believers also meet throughout the week in many locations around the city for Bible study, fellowship, and prayer. For more information, including driving directions, visit betternewsradio.com. We hope to see you soon. Music heard here on Better News Radio is courtesy of Sovereign Grace Music. Pastor Ricky will continue sharing messages from his series in the book of 1 Peter next time on Better News Radio. Open.